Today on the show, we're talking about used cars round two. Welcome back to Simple Money Solutions, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. So Trevor, this week we're talking about used cars for the second time. Yeah, and one of the reasons we talk about this is in our tagline, you know, financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. And buying a used car or buying a car where your car buying decision is a deliberate choice. It's not something that's that's dictated to you. So if you are seeking financial independence at an, at a young age, buying a used car is a deliberate lifestyle choice and it's going to help you get there. And again, just looking at anyone that it it, it can really set you, it sets the path for, for where you're heading financially. It, it can put you really in the hole a lot if you're, if you're not ready for, for the purchase of a car or your purchase car that is beyond your means. Well, if you can save $20,000 every 10 years by buying a used car, you, you add that up over your lifespan and invest that at a, at a modest return. That's a lot of money. Oh, it is. So if you did listen to our last week's episode, which we highly recommend before you delve into this episode, last week we talked about the reasons why you should buy a used car. And this week we're we're talking about used cars again, but now we're talking about tips for buying used cars. So if, uh, if you haven't been sold yet on why buying a used car is so important, definitely listen to last week's episode and then come back and visit this one. Like you said in our last episode, you have two used cars yourselves, plus you've been in the used car market for a while. So I'm sure you have a ton of helpful tips for our listeners. So today we're basing the episode on an article from wheels.ca. So it's Canadian based and this article is called Top 10 Tips for Buying a Used Car. So I'll run through the tips and then we'll go back and, and, and analyze them a little bit more closely. So number one, research your purchase. Number two, shop the less popular brands. Number three, word of mouth. Number four, have a small budget in mind. Number five, dealer or private sale. Number six, take a closer look. Number seven, drive it like you own it. Number eight, get a history lesson. Number nine, befriend a technician. And number 10, drive a hard bargain. So, Trevor, number one, research your purchase. I have five things, and it kind of overlaps these, but these are my five principles of buying a pre-owned car. And I've been doing buying used pre-owned cars since 1995, and thought I was getting lucky with with good good used cars. And now I believe it's it's a proven formula. So, number one is I only buy from an authorized dealer. And when I say authorized dealer, if you're buying a Honda, you buy from a new Honda dealership. If you're buying a Ford, you buy from a new Ford dealership. And the reason you do this is those authorized dealers only carry high-quality inventory. They don't want to tarnish the brand. So number two, visit at least three different dealerships and drive no less than 10 cars you're seriously considering buying. This will give you a good point of reference. Because remember, the only point of reference you currently have is the maybe the piece of crap you're driving right now. So everything you get in is going to feel great. So you need to compare uh, the car you're driving, the car you're thinking of buying to a similar car. You really need a, uh, your reference point is completely gone. If you're, if you're buying, if you're driving an old worn out car, everything you drive is going to feel great. So, and, and when I say 10, so buying a used car is not easy. It, it takes effort. And 10 sounds like a lot, 
but you really need that many because you, what, what you're looking for is you want to get into one that is, is a piece of crap. So you might be looking at three-year-old cars, but one of them has been had the crap driven out of it. And you need to find that car so you know what a bad one feels like. So that is number two. That is very important. Number three, take the car you finally decide you're going to buy to an independent mechanic for inspection. And if you're dealing with a reputable dealership, they will have no problem with this. And, and I've done this, and it, it, it gives you peace of mind, and, and that's worth something. And this one sounds crazy, and it depends on the time of year, but take the car home and wash it, hand wash it. The things you see on a car when you wash it by hand, you will not see in any other way. You have to wash every surface of the car. You get to see inside the fenders. You just, you just see things you wouldn't otherwise see at just taking a glance. So, and I've done this. And I've also bought a car in the time of year where I couldn't. So, but I, I've saw things and, you know, either I could live with it or I couldn't live with it, but you, you at least you're aware of it. And the, I think this is the most important one. Beware of a deal that's too good to be true. Again, you're not looking for a deal. You're looking for a reliable car. You should be willing to pay for the market price for a, uh, a reliable car. So beware of a deal that's too good to be true because chances are you're missing something. Five absolutely incredible tips, Trevor, and we will have those in the show notes for our listeners as well so they can refer back. And the five tips that you just brought up really coincide nicely with the 10 tips presented in this article. So so to our listeners out there, you might see some overlap, but hopefully we'll be able to unpack um, the 10 tips while also unpacking Trevor's five. So from this article... The first one is research your pur- purchase. Yeah, this one's important. There's there's a bunch of publications. There's books on. There's a book series called Lemonade, and it it looks at cars that have chronic problems or in in you know or certain cars that have chronic problems like transmissions or air conditioners go. And the beauty of buying a used car is you get this uh, historical database on, on on what goes wrong with these cars you, from from all the owners, right? That so. If you, there's a lot of places you can look, you you just have to type in the the make and model of the car you're thinking of buying, and there there will be user forms that, I mean, there's no shortage of information on the internet on, on any used car you're thinking of buying. So, for instance, the car I bought, uh, the one I when I was thinking of buying, I won't say the name or the brand, but when I typed it in to a Google search, uh, the first ten uh, web suggested websites. They were all about transmission problems. So I stayed away from that one. And I really thought that's a, it's, it's a vehicle I wanted desperately. But I, you know, the transmission problems were way too chronic to consider. Do you think the availability of research online has really changed the environment for purchasing used cars? Oh, if I think of the first used car I bought back in 1995, compared to today, I was going into a blind. I mean, I, I really... Uh, I, I had no, you know, I, I can't believe how it worked out. I mean, n- not knowing what I know, I, what I can find out today about a used car. So if anything, the the prevalence of the internet and the resources available on it now today is kind of what has maybe encouraged or really pushed forth the popularity of the used car market. Oh, I, I think so. It's information is power. I mean, uh, if if you're going out uninformed, 
uh, buying a car. Shame on you. Definitely. And I think it's one thing to go into, uh, say, Best Buy and and just and just ask the sales associate about a product you're you're thinking about purchasing instead of looking online. I think that's valid. But again, the it's all about the price tag. The price tag on something you're going to purchase. Okay, I, I get it at the same time. Best Buy, you can purchase something a little more expensive, but not compared to the price tag of a car where you should not be going in blindly. But I, I feel like happens more often than not. Well, and part of it is the 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 reliance you place on a car is far greater than the reliance you'd place on a on a, a stereo system or a or a widescreen TV. I mean, if your TV stops working, you know, you're what you're going to miss your favorite show. But if your car doesn't work, you might not get to work. Definitely, and because like we did talk in the, about in the last episode, part one, there's so much that can go wrong with the car from tiny little accidents that aren't reported through um through the ins- through the insurance that that a car that you can't see under just by looking at it i mean the car could look aesthetically fine but under the hood a lot more could be going wrong than than may first meet the eye so let's move on to number two shop the less popular brands yeah i don't know if i agree with this 100 percent uh i i like when i'm when i'm looking for a car i i tend to have brand loyalty for one thing if i've had success with a particular brand i'll stick with it you know, until I, I I find a reason not to, meaning a bad experience. So I, I'm not going to shop the less popular brands because they're cheaper. Um, they're less popular for a reason. You know, they I think they're less popular maybe because they they don't meet the needs of the bi-carring bi- public. I know you're a fan of Honda. Can you let our listeners in on, on why this is? Well, when I, so I've bought two Hondas from my, my local Honda dealership. And they've treated me like royalty. When I'm in there buying that, I, I feel like I'm getting a new buyer experience. I mean, they're, they they do a, a, a legitimate car. They call it a car delivery. And it's a, they, they walk you through all the the features in the car. I mean, this is a three-year-old car, but they're, they're treating, I feel like I'm treated like I'm buying a new car. They, they really, and they, they detail the thing so it looks like new inside. These people would have to screw me over royally before I did. I don't go back. So uh, they've gained my loyalty, and uh, I don't feel lucky. I mean, I researched this place. I, I I talk to people in my town. You know, anyone who's bought from there, what do they think? I really like your how your example demonstrates that just because you're buying a used car, you're still being treated like you said as royally as if you were buying a new a new car, and I think that is very important. In that the the dealer does appreciate and recognize your, your you as a customer and the purchase that you're making with them. So number three, word of mouth. How and like you said, I'm sure you heard good things about your dealership Honda in your town that uh, d- drove you to want to purchase a car from there. That's what directed me in that in that direction to begin with, and then I did my own research after that. But you have to be careful with this one because some people have. I'll say unrealistic car expectations. You know, they, 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 what what they expect out of a used car and what they get are are, are there's a huge gap. So you, you have to take what people say with a grain of salt and, and know where the perspective they're coming from. If somebody had owned a new car all their life and then they bought one used car and they had a bad experience, that bad experience might be an okay experience for me because I, I'm comfortable with used cars and they're not. So you really need to take the word of mouth. And the other thing to, is 
I don't care where you buy a car, what brand, lemons exist. So what you're looking for is a pattern, not one person's opinion. You know, you need to, you need to hear it from, you know, three or four people. And if you get a consistent response, you know, on what they think of a particular model or brand of car or a dealership, then, then I think, okay, that's good information. But a one-off opinion, I don't think you can run with that. I, I agree. It's a very important point because especially when it comes to the used market, it, you everyone has an individual individualist taste and style and, and, and a level of standard for a used car. So I think it's very it's something that's very personal at the same time. And I do want to talk about, I'm going to slip it into this section in that the the idea of used cars is just like when you go to a uh, a used uh, used store that has used clothes or used items, and that what you see is what you get. So, I mean, individuals who maybe have something negative to say about a specific dealership or a specific used car could also maybe not be okay with the fact that there's not as many options as as there would be if you purchased a new car. Well, and that that could be a uh, a burden as well, right? So, I mean, wrestling over, you know, what color to get or should I, a lot of times people will, in, will include options they might use because, you know, they, they don't want to buy this new car and regret they didn't get a sunroof or regret they didn't get the sport package. So a lot of times when you're buying new, it's, having those extra decisions to make is actually a burden. I completely agree. And I think that's a very valid point because, We've heard it so many times. Uh, options are your enemy. Well, we, you know, we talked about a book called Stumbling Upon Happiness. And one of the sources of unhappiness is having, you know, to de- to decide, you know, the, have to, having to make a decision, having too many options. Because what you end up with is doubt and regret. Oh, for sure. And, and it just makes you, again, more satisfied and happy with the purchase that you have made. Let's move on to number four, have a budget in mind. And I feel that this point is maybe the the most important point in the whole entire article. This is happening every single time I've bought a used car. And, and I'm not blaming the dealerships. I mean, they, their business is to sell cars. But when I'm shopping for a used car and I'll decide on one, and right near the end of the negotiation, you know, I'm sort of haggling price with them. And they'll, you know, we'll, if I'm financing this used car, they'll, they'll give me a... Um, a monthly payment and, you know, and, and, and use that as a negotiating point. And they'll start to say, do you know you could get in a new car for the same monthly payment? And, you know, that, that, that becomes a, a tactic to try to sell me a new car instead of a used one. And I'd be into the same monthly payment. That Now, for me, I, I never lose sight of the fact that I have to pay for the whole car. The monthly payment is just a, a means to get there. Obviously, the difference is I'll be making that monthly payment for a lot longer on a new car. So they can, I mean, again, it's their job. I'm not bashing car salespeople, but that every time I've bought a used car, that's the one beef I have is they always, at some point in the negotiation, they try to sell me a new car. And I think that's why it's so important to go into a dealership with this very confident, very sure frame of mind because you could so easily be persuaded i mean this is the same mentality you have to take into any store that you walk into be confident and know what you're getting yourself into why you even entered that store because again it's their job to make you purchase something more expensive maybe something you didn't want or something that you didn't originally walk into that store to buy from your experiences 
how have you really owned the idea that you you're in this in the market for a used car and how have you stood firm by that to not fall victim to really the the tactics that these uh, dealerships use like i said in the last show if you're going to finance a used car it should be over no longer than 3 years so if you if you stay firm to that then you know uh, obviously you know the interest rate you know the amount you can come up with a month, monthly payment that you can afford and that becomes your guiding force how did you work it down to 3 years or did you read that or hear that somewhere well with a used car you know, say you buy it, it's 3 years old and if you find it's over 5 or 6 years by the time you're done paying for that guess what you're going to need another car so you're going to be forever paying for a car so the it just and then you might end up making car payments when some of the bigger repair bills start coming in. So that if you buy a three-year-old car, you have a three-year loan, the car is six years old, at that point you might start getting into some of the more expensive repair bills and you won't be burdened with a, a car payment when you're trying to f pay for those repairs. I really like that nice, sweet, simple formula because it really sets in your mind what your budget is. You, you, you look at what you can afford, you look at the monthly payments, and if you can pay it off in three years, it's probably a good buy. You know, another thing used cars do is you don't have to keep them forever. You, you can keep, remember, when you're buying at three years old, most of the depreciation expense somebody else has paid for. So you could buy a car for three years, and if you're somebody who likes to have a different car frequently, then you can... You could buy a, a three-year-old car, drive it for three years, and sell it and lose not very much money. Buy another three-year-old car, drive it for three years, sell it, and you could probably do that three times and still not have paid what the person who bought the car brand new will have paid and owned it for 10 years. That's an excellent point because it's it's easy to forget about the flexibility that used cars offer because you're not paying for that initial depreciation expense. Last question before we move on to the next point, but how do you walk into the dealership and not get persuaded otherwise? What is the core idea or message that you hold on to to not feel ashamed about buying this used car? Well, the important thing is to don't, don't actually go in the dealership because that's where the new cars are in the showroom. And that's a dangerous place to be. I mean, that new car smell is everywhere. And, you know, you, you end either... You can't get away from them. So I tend to stay outside where the used cars are and I do my negotiation outside where the used cars are. I don't actually go in the dealership until it's actually time to sit down and sign some papers. So stay outside and stay around the used cars. I mean, it, I mean we're all human, right? The, the, the temptation of those new cars is, is pretty lethal. And on that point, I, I do want to note that I, I think buying a used car is all about the mind the mindset that you have about vehicles in general like you're saying in our last episode part one of used cars that if, if 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 having a used a new car is something that really adds value to your life if that's the one thing that you really get excited about just like you said about your neighbor who's constantly watching his truck that's fine but if we turn our perspective on cars to say that a vehicle is simply a means to, of transportation to get you from point A to point B. If, if you need a car, if you need, really truly need a car to get to work, then that's a good reason to have a car. So I think, and I, I just think the important part is to focus on the utility purpose of a vehicle and not anything else that the vehicle may encompass. Well, if, if you're going to have 
I've said this before. If you have two cars, make sure one of them's used, and and, and that one car is a utility in your family. It's it's that utilitarian uh, point A to point B mode of transportation. So the next point is dealer or private sale. We touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but let's delve into this more deeper and why uh, there's such a differentiation between the two. One of the things with buying from a dealer, and when I say dealer, there's two kinds of dealers. You've got a new car dealer who sells used cars, like a Honda, General Motors, Ford, Toyota. Or you've got a used car dealer who's you know, it's Joe's car lot, and he just sells used cars. And so Joe gets his cars from the auction. And the auction gets their cars from uh, primarily from dealers, new car dealers who get cars in on trade-in. And if that car is not pristine and they think they can get, uh, you know, a, a low kilometers, uh, you know, great condition. If it's, if it's something subpar, they send it to auction. And then the Joe's dealer will buy it from the auction and sell it. So you're really getting a, a tier two type of used car from those, those dealerships. I'm not knocking them. I'm, there's some deals to be had there, but that's not the market I'm buying cars in. I'm buying it from a new car dealer, used car section. And the other option is you could buy a private sale. And uh, in a private sale, it, it's really a, a roll of the dice. I mean, this is, hopefully it's it's not some guy who's, you know, buying daily rentals from a, a you know, a, a, a car rental agency and trying to sell them privately to, to, to make some, buck, some money on the side. Uh, you really... You don't know what you're getting, you know, and it's a, it's a roll of the dice. So I, I said it in my five points of, of that I used for buying used cars is you've got to buy from a new car dealer because they're trying to protect the reputation of their brand. In that point right there, Trevor, is really the, the differentiation between the the used car that is barely rolling down the road and the used car that is essentially just just a new car but a little bit older. Well, a lot of times with buying a used car is you know, they're, for me, I'm not, I, I don't know a lot about the mechanical works of a car, so I don't know what I don't know. You, you know, I, I don't know what to look for. I don't know uh, things to check. So I'm really relying on uh, sort of uh, an external mechanic to look at it. But, I mean, they're only going to spot so much, right? They're, they were not, they're not going to spend hours tearing the thing apart. So you... It's really a rule of the day. So you're really relying on the reputation of the person selling it. And that brings us right back to your original point where go to a trusted dealership. Go to somewhere where you feel good about the people you're speaking with there. Let's move on to our next point. Take a closer look. And I, I want to talk about take a closer look um, from two different perspectives. The one outlined in this article is actually take a look closer look at the car. Yeah, so this is one where I... I, I have taken used cars where uh, to an independent mechanic for inspection and for, for peace of mind, you know, if there's some, you know, gut feel I have that, you know, I need someone else to, I need a, another look at, someone else to look at this car for me. I've done that and found nothing wrong with it, had peace of mind. And a lot of times that independent mechanic will say, you know, I've, you know, I'll ask him, you know, what kind of things tend to go wrong with this, this particular model of car? And a lot of times they'll know and they'll say, you know, I've seen this, I've seen that, but it's not unusual or it's not that expensive of a, a repair. So if I can live with that, then that's okay. And I went back to the thing is 
take the car and hand wash it. Take it somewhere and wash it. That is, you know, again, you're going to see scratches and dents and stuff that, again, used cars tend to come pre-scratched and pre-dented, which in my opinion is a good thing because those first scratches on a new car are very painful. Uh, you know, you wash it and you, you just see stuff. And so, you, you, know, you know, you need to look at the car more than just sitting in it and driving it. I mean, a, a deeper look is important. This article mentions um, mildew smell and, and just things that are, are inside of it that you might not be able to permanently get rid of. I like that you did touch on the point as well as yeah. that first, the scratches, because I, I mean, I've never, I've never owned a car myself, but uh, I've, I've friends who've owned cars and, and it's something that you always cringe at getting the first scratch. I guess the first scratch on anything is always something a little bit cringeworthy. So I like that used cars take away that element of of cringing when you do get that scratch nothing is more painful than the first scratch on a brand new car that is uh, it is it, it sounds shallow and in and and, and uh, you know i hate saying it but the first scratch i got on my new car it was just gut wrenching i mean i i stewed about that for weeks so if nothing more, buying a used car will definitely take away that, that gut-wrenching feeling when you do get that scratch. I do, while we're in this section, take a closer look. I want to now, I want to go over the philosophy of take a closer look at both the price and the kilometers on the car, as well as the year of the car. So can you just go into your philosophy about all three of those things when you're actually looking even in, in a newspaper at the cars there. And what what's going through your mind when you're doing that? Just to enlighten our listeners a little bit on your thought process. So a three-year-old car seems to be the sweet spot. And if you take into consideration how much it will have to depreciate it in three years, meaning how much the price is discounted for the used car market, and when the major repairs start to set in, you know, you need new tires, new brakes, uh, timing belts, those type of things, I find if, if you were to graph this thing, that would be the intersection of those two things. So three years seems to be the sweet spot. And a lot of these three-year-old cars, they come back from leases. And most leases are have a, you know, a, a $20,000, I, I, sorry, most leases have a 20,000 kilometer uh, per year mileage restriction. So you're getting a car with about 60,000 kilometers. And in my experience has been that, you know, that you, you, you're not into a lot of the big repairs at that that, that kilometer. So, three years, sixty thousand kilometers. I, I tend to actually all the ones I've bought have been less than sixty thousand kilometers, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want anything more than that. So that seems to be a sweet spot for me. Let's talk about the age of the car to mileage ratio. What are some warning bells that you should look for that might not seem obvious? Well, too many kilometers is not necessarily a bad thing if they were all highway kilometers. But, you know, that a three-year-old car with, uh, you know, 200,000 kilometers, the alarm bells would go off, right? There's something wrong here. And then too few kilometers is actually a bad thing, too. Cars need to be driven. Cars that sit for extended periods of time, they can, you know, get, uh, things can seize up and, and, and you can get into different kind of repairs. So, again, you, you don't want, like a three-year-old car with 20,000 kilometers, that says, uh, says, a warning to me as well. So there, there's, again, you're, you're, you're not looking for a deal. You're looking for value. 
I want to highlight that because I love that point. The importance of looking at the kilometers when you're looking at used car used cars because I, I i don't know about you trevor but i love looking through the the used car section of the newspaper when i do look through the newspaper but i my the alarm bells always go off in my head when the kilometers aren't posted just the prices and a picture of the car because i think the kilometers are such a telling sign of what that car has been through and if it's even worth considering purchasing well, when they don't list the kilometers, you know they're high, right? That's the, they're trying to get entice people to phone or come down and visit their 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 lots to to see these vehicles. So you need to know the kilometers. It, it, it's just as important as the year or the age of the vehicle. Maybe in some cases more important. Definitely, because like you said, a three year old car is you could go with that as a baseline, but. Then once you look at that three year old car, then look at the kilometers. So it, it's definitely progressive, um, progressive process where you where you look at one and then the other and they all must be in line in order for it to be a, a worthwhile purchase let's look at the next point drive it like you own it so uh, you said in our last episode and and then you mentioned at the beginning of this one take a car take test drive 10 different cars so how how important is this in the process i mean you did stress it is very important but how important is relative to all the other factors that must be taken into consideration well when when i'm looking for a car you you have to remember your only point of reference to the new car you're driving the used car you're thinking of buying is the car you're currently driving and chances are if you're shopping for a new car your car is somewhat worn out and maybe drives kind of you know the steering's not as tight and the suspension's kind of loosened up and so every car you get in that's newer than yours is going to feel great so you want to so just say I'm shopping for a Honda Civic. That seems to be a popular car where I live. I want to keep driving Honda Civics till I find one that drives like crap. A three-year-old one that's been driven hard and poorly maintained. I'm looking for that car because that becomes my point of reference. You know, now I know what a, a crappy one drives like. So it's so important to test drive as many as you can within that, you know, a similar year, similar price range. So you can... You can find that crappy one and you can, okay, I know what a crappy one feels like now. So now I can start to reassess all the other ones I drove. And a lot of times the best place to do this is to go into it, into the city. I'm about a, I don't know, an hour and a half from Toronto. And there's a thing called an auto mall. And if you go there, there's there's literally every dealership you could ever imagine, multiple dealerships of the same brand. And you could test drive a ton of cars in a day in that in in really walking distance of each dealership so there there's there's ways to do this but you need to find that crappy car the one you'd never consider buying and that becomes a, a very solid point of reference this article quotes taking a car for a test ride for 45 minutes uh, wh- what's your standard test test time yeah that's kind of long I, I don't know that i've ever had one at that long but you you want to you want to get it on the highway for sure. So, I mean, some people may have to travel a little further get to get a car on the highway, but you want to get it up to highway speed because that's when things tend to start to shake and rattle and and you, you really get a feel for what you have. Around town, it, it's a whole different driving experience. So I think it's important to get it on the highway. And if it if it takes 45 minutes to get it on the highway and get it back, so so be it. But that's an important step. To be the voice of our listeners who are my age who have not been a prior car owner, what are your what's your advice for for me and all of our other listeners who are purchasing their first used car? 
I think it's important to take somebody with you who has some driving experience and some car buying experience and, and really knows what a, a reliable car looks like and how it drives. So moving on to our next point then, get a history lesson. How can you, we did talk about this a little bit in part one of this, uh, the used car series, but how, how can you really fully do this? Well, the two things you're looking for in a history lesson is one is, has the car been in an accident? That, that's important. And has the car been properly maintained? So, so to me, those are the two things you're trying to derive about any car you're thinking of buying. So in Ontario, where I live, anybody who sells a used car, they have to go to the uh, Ministry of Transport and get a car proof report, which shows if the car has been in any accidents and if there's any liens against the, the car, meaning you know, you've had repairs that you haven't paid for and someone's put a lien against it. So th- that, that's one thing you can do. But if an insurance claim has never been made uh, against a car, it, it may not show up there as a, it being in an accident. You know, if somebody got their car repaired and, and didn't go through insurance. So that's not a guarantee. If you're buying a car from a dealership where a car had been leased, chances are there's going to be maintenance records there. And for every car I've bought from dealerships, I, I've asked, is this car returned from a lease? And I, that's one of my criteria it had to be returned from a lease. Because you're guaranteed that those those people, to uphold their lease agreement, had to maintain it to a, a minimum standard. So they're going to have those maintenance, and they've always had those maintenance records for me. So that that is my way of um, of knowing that that the car, that, you know, the car has been looked after. Having that history is important. Would you ever purchase a car that wasn't from a certified pre-owned dealer? I may buy one from a family member. You know, if if Say, say an elderly family member lose, you know, no longer able to drive, and they have a really good car. I would absolutely consider that, but I wouldn't buy one uh, from a stranger. And from what I'm gathering, that seems like a very important point, and maybe the starting place for any of our listeners who are looking to purchase a used car is go straight to a trusted dealership and look at their cars um, from from their certified pre-owned programs. The second last point is befriend a technician. And you were actually talking about before the show started how how you have utilized this uh, this point. So I haven't taken every car, every used car to a technician. Sometimes I, I'm just so comfortable with the car. You know, the price makes sense given the mileage and the year. And it drives really well. I, I don't go that extra step. But if there's some inkling in the back of my mind, just something I'm not comfortable with. For instance, there's one car I had that it, it just... It see, you know, I took it for a drive. I liked everything about it, but it, when it was idling, it kind of idled rough. You know, it kind of had a, a rough idle to it. And I asked the dealership about that, and they said, well, you know, that's the, the nature of this particular year and model. That's just the way it is. So I took it to a, I really liked everything else about the car. So I took it to an independent mechanic, and they actually had the same experience. You know, they said, yeah, that's the way these are. It's not a problem. You know, they it, it, it they just, that's the way it is. So it can, it just, put my mind at ease and like this article also says they can detect creases in the the paints overspray and also other things that maybe the dealership doesn't want to reveal to you or might hinder your decision to purchase that car because of something that has happened to it what would you say if your if the technician you know is located at the garage do you still are you still looking to see that person about their opinion or should you take it? What's the importance of taking it to a, a, a totally independent technician? Oh yeah, you have to. There's, there's no sense getting it inspected at the place you're buying it because they're, they're, 
they're all in they're all in this together right they're trying to sell you a car so there's no value in getting it inspected at that garage in fact in theory they've already inspected it for the safety uh last but not least drive a hard bargain yeah so this one i've said before you're looking for value you're not looking for a deal you're just looking for car value so i if if you're able to drive uh uh too good of a deal from a from a seller you know below market price then you've missed something you know you you're being set up so if you're if you're able to drive too good of a deal then i i think you're that's that's a bad sign what i have done though is i've got the dealer to ship to throw in options like you know i'll have negotiated the price down as far as i'm comfortable you know where i think i'm getting value and then once it's, then I'll, I'll ask them to throw things in. For instance, the last car I bought, I said, can you, you know, uh, add a, give me a, you know, throw in a trailer hitch or new car mats. You know, you can get them to add things or you could ask for, you know, give me six months of oil changes. So you can negotiate things that really don't cost the dealership a whole lot of money, but you can get them to throw in. So that's kind of the angle I've, I've sort of negotiated from. Another point that is within this this one point is watch for extra sales fees that are sneaking into the sales contract. So what are we looking for within uh, within that? Well, you know, just sort of administrative fees. You'll see them, uh, it, particularly if you're if you're financing the car, like w- something when you buy a, a used car from a dealership, they'll uh, go and get the registration processed for you, and when you show up, it'll have the license plates on it and the the ownership in your name, and they charge a fee for that, and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, that's something I didn't have to do. But I, I guess you could, in theory, may, maybe you could do that yourself and save some money. I've, I have personally haven't experienced where I've bought you cars where they're trying to sneak in extra fees. In your experience, what has been the difference between purchasing the process of purchasing a new car versus used car? Is there any different ta- tactics that are being used, or is is one easier over the other? Well, buying a new car is. It's kind of straightforward, right? You kind of pick your your options and 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 sign the papers. There's not a whole lot of negotiating that goes on with new cars compared to used cars, and you're not really assessing uh, value here. You're not assessing, you know, you don't have to take in consideration the age and the mileage. So it's far less complex buying a new car, although it costs more. There's a there's the only thing the real considerations are options, right? It's and you. You pick a, a, a trim level or a trim package and it comes with, you know, with power windows, power locks, heated seats and all that stuff, or it doesn't. But with a used car, it's really, um, there's, there's, there's more variables to consider. I do want to talk about variables because we were laughing before we started recording that one of your cars still has cranked down windows. So how, how is it owning vehicles that maybe don't have the luxuries that newer vehicles have, such as power, heated seats and, and crank down windows. Well, you know, so I've got everyone, everyone, all these new cars have Bluetooth and I have in my car, what I call long tooth. And that's a, uh, where you have a cassette player that you, you push in a cassette and then you plug, uh, the other end into your phone or your iPod for music. So I have what's called long tooth. <laughs> so I, people make fun of, uh, of that feature on my car, but I do use it. Uh, you know, with with technology moving as fast as it is, uh, there's a lot of modern te- things like like Bluetooth and backup cameras and power windows that that uh, those are nice features to have. But one 
one of my cars has power windows. One of my car, cars has wind-up windows. Um, I, I guess it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. And I think you hit it right there. It's it, Whether it's a sacrifice you're willing to make is the most important part because if, if you are someone who knows you can't live without every single feature and that's what you value is important, then you're going to make purchasing a car with those features, which is going to have a more expensive price tag, a priority to you. But again, if if our listeners are anything like you, Trevor, they're going to they're going to want to purchase a car that is simply uh, a means of transportation, a vehicle to get you from point A to point B. So it really is about priority, and I think that's what we really want to stress through these two this two part episode. In that, it's not wrong at all if you love new new cars and giving up a new car is something you can never dream of just because you love them so much. It's really what you derive value from. If you do not derive value from purchasing a new car, then why bother purchasing a new car when there's other when there's a fabulous option of buying used? No, I, I agree. And the, the reason we're doing this show on, on used cars, and I, I don't know if we've, we've probably said this already, but if you have a financial plan and, and you have a financial goals and achieving them you're going to be mostly impact by big dollar decisions you make and without question car buying is easily your second biggest car your 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 second biggest spending decision you're going to make in your life and you're going to make it repeatedly you know some people only buy one house so they only have to make that decision once on a house although it is your biggest expense that you're that you'll ever have by a, by a mile, a car buying thing you make repeatedly. So it, you get into habits or you become pre-programmed to buying a certain way, and I'll say buying new, and you do that every 10 years. And those, if it turns out to be a bad decision, those bad decisions stack up one on top of the other. And you look back 20 years now, later and say, you know, how, look at how much I spent on, on automotive or transportation. And you can't undo that. You can't, like a house, you can always sell it, right? If you bought too big of a house, they appreciate in value. You can sell it and maybe make money. But in a car, a lot of times you can't undo those mistakes. And, and for a young person, if you, a lot of times you buy that first car when you have no, no or very little financial obligations. And you end up getting into where a car payment's consuming, you know, 50% of your paycheck, and maybe, a, you know, a $700 a month truck payment, and you finance that over eight years, you're a decade recovering from that decision if it turned out to be a bad one. That may delay when you buy a house. It may delay when you have a family, and that may delay when you retire. I mean, it could have a long-lasting impact. And I like that you bring all these points up because it's, it's more than just a simple purchase. It is one that, like you said, it just appreciates, unlike a house which can appreciate. It's, it's, it's total. It, it's it's a money drainer in in every sense. So it really needs so much deliberation. You know, some people refer to a car as an investment, and anything that goes down in value is not an investment. It is it is pure expense, and it's lifestyle ex- expense. And we talk about making lifestyle decisions. I mean, that's really what the show is about. And if this is a a one that could have a huge impact on your your financial well-being. Oh, for sure. And and again, for for someone who 
is simply buying a car to have a car to get from point A to point B. Used cars is definitely definitely up your alley. If it's not something that you have considered in the past, definitely put it in, into your, your realm of vision for when you go to purchase that car. And I say this as someone who will be in the car market in the next few years. And that's why, I mean, Trevor has been a lifelong um, supporter of used cars. But for, for me, just getting into the market, I think it's so valuable for, for, for all of us to really consider this idea in, in a very serious way. So do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode with? Yeah. If you own two cars, make sure one of them is used. Simple and to the point. I absolutely love it. And again, like we mentioned in our last episode, don't forget to enter our April challenge, Take Action April, by emailing us your goal, not even your action items for the goal, but just your goal so that we can enter you into our book giveaway for this month. And we can all start achieving our goals together. And do not forget, if you have any questions or, or comments or anything related to these past two episodes, send us an email and we'd love to have a conversation with you about your journey on used cars. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you back here next week. Until then, keep it simple.